Listener Production. Federal politics is these days so disconnected from the communities of the representatives that are in Parliament. I think it's different at this particular moment because of the incompetence of our current government. That was Georgia Steele, one of more than 20 independent candidates tanking on coalition MPs in the upcoming federal election. And these candidates, uh, mostly professional women, are part of a loosely connected group of independents running on a strong climate action and policy integrity agenda. Now, in a handful of Liberal-held seats, these independents are the main opposition. So, how much damage can they do to the coalition and how much difference can they actually make? There is no doubt that the independents that have sat on the crossbench so far have shaped debate in Australia in a way that, may I say, a backbencher elected in the seat of Hughes for the Liberal Party could never do. Our chat with Georgia Steele. Uh, She's the independent candidate running for the seat of Hughes in Sydney. First, today's headlines, and I'm joined by Katrina Blowers on this Monday, March 21. And Katrina, free from isolation, finally. Oh, it feels so sweet, Tom. This is actually, look, I know plenty of other people have done it tough too, but this is the third time I've personally been in ISO uh, in in the last little bit because we keep getting COVID at different times. So... Mm. (laughs) Up here in Queensland, if you are a close contact, you have to isolate as well. I think in most other states you do too. So, yeah, pretty happy to be out of the house. So yours is a case study that really probably makes a good argument for stopping um, isolation of close contacts because A, you've had COVID, Mm. um, B, you're triple vaxxed and then your son got COVID. You didn't get it for those obvious reasons, um, but you still had to isolate, meaning... You couldn't work properly and creating a lot of intrusion in your life. And I think yeah. this is this is why people think this maybe isn't the right policy setting anymore. Well, and National Cabinet is going to, they've said they're going to look at this. So what's the better comes out this week? Probably one week after it would have benefited <laughs> me. But those are the breaks. All right, let's go to today's news. Labor has won the South Australian election uh, and it's been a a thumping win and they've thrown out the Liberal government after just one term. True satisfaction for us comes in realising our ambition, our ideal of delivering a fairer, better society and more opportunity for those who need it most. That's the new Premier, Peter Malinowskis there. He's led the ALP to a landslide victory, winning at least 25 seats and that's one more than is required to form a majority government. So this is the first time that a government who led through the pandemic has been thrown out at the ballot box. But Scott Morrison, who's up next, um, says he's not worried about this. Anthony Albanese is not Peter Malinowskis. He's he's not any of the other premiers. He's not Anastasia Palaszczuk. Um, He's the federal Labor leader. And one thing that I've noticed is there is a big difference. So he insists the campaign was fought on local issues, but the polling in South Australia was similar to the current polling for Labor on a federal level. It was actually slightly worse. So I don't know that that is great news for the Morrison government. Yeah, it was an interesting campaign. Um, Labor in South Australia focused on health, in particular ambulance waiting time. So a very specific campaign and reportedly very effective, as is the new Premier, Seems to be very popular. He's only 41 years old. So along with Perrottet in New South Wales, who's only 39, we've actually got some fresh blood in the top job in two states. The Ukrainian president has issued a fresh plea to Vladimir Putin to negotiate, saying if talks fail, it would mean World War III. 
do we have to use any format, any chance in order to have a possibility of negotiating. But if these attempts fail, that would mean that, that this is a third world war. A grim warning there, and reports have emerged overnight that 56 elderly people have been killed in an attack on an aged care home in the eastern Luhansk region. Ukraine says a Russian tank fired on the residents and an art school in the southern port city of Mariupol sheltering 400 civilians has also been bombed. No word of a death toll there, though. So Russia is now claiming to use hypersonic missiles and these travel five times faster than the speed of sound and they can also change direction, which makes them much harder to track. From a local perspective, Australia has now stepped up sanctions against Russia. All exports of alumina and aluminium ore will be blocked. Now, normally we export around half a billion dollars worth of this material to Russia every year. And it's a critical input into weaponry, including guns, ammunition and missiles. Scott Morrison there. And Australia is also sending Ukraine another $21 million in defensive military assistance, $30 million in humanitarian aid and 70,000 tonnes of thermal coal to keep the power on. And Ukrainian refugees uh, will also be now eligible for a three-year humanitarian visa. Family and friends of cricketing great Shane Warne have bid him farewell to the music of Coldplay and Tina Turner at a private funeral in Melbourne. Yeah, so Warney's three children and his parents were joined by around 80 guests at the St Kilda football ground and the service included a lap of honour around that home ground with the casket draped in Saints scarves. So that was the... That was the uh, footy team he wanted to play for, St Kilda, but they told him he wasn't good enough, which fired him up to play cricket. Incredible, isn't it? How, you know, you can think you want one thing in life, but actually Mm. your truth path is something else. A state memorial will be held next Wednesday at the MCG. Those tickets, which will be hotly sought Mm. after, are expected to be released later this week. Tears flowed freely. The laughs rang loudly. He exited the old Moorabbin to simply the best. So that's Eddie Maguire, who led yesterday's funeral, talking about that private ceremony. Um, May play a role in the public one too, I imagine, as could many other even more famous people. Yeah, there's been rumours of all kinds of people like Ed Sheeran, uh, Mm. Chris Martin. Yeah. um, A number of other people could be performing. Um, So yeah, a week and a half out from that funeral at the MCG and it's, as you say, a lot of people will want to be there and will also celebrate around the country. There is more trouble for Hillsong's Brian Houston. Now, Houston stepped down as leader in January to defend a criminal charge that he concealed his father's child sexual abuse. Yeah, so now the new interim leader has apologised to two women for incidents where Brian Houston himself breached the church's moral code of conduct. In a public statement, Hillsong's Global Board says that leaders at the Pentecostal Christian Church have been dealing with two complaints made against Pastor Brian over the last 10 years. One of these complaints referred to Houston sending inappropriate text messages to a staff member a decade ago. The second incident related to Houston going into a woman's hotel room after a conference in 2019. And this statement says, in relation to that incident, Pastor Brian was under the influence of sleeping tablets upon which he developed a dependence and he immediately apologised to the person. Yeah, interesting that he immediately apologised in 2019, but we're only finding out about this now. Now, when yeah. you read the statement from Hillsong, it says, uh, well, basically acknowledges that they've been dealing with these matters privately 
Um, you'd assume they wanted to keep it that way, but details have come out in the media, so they had to address it publicly. All right, Katrina and I will catch you tomorrow. Uh, Jan, Fran and Annika are joining you to talk about the independence running in the federal election. Here's a few things we know. Now, voter disenfranchisement with the major parties has been growing steadily for decades. So support for independent candidates is growing steadily too. Yeah. We also know that Australians care about climate change. Now, all of this is a perfect storm for a group of two dozen independents who will be running in coalition-held seats at the upcoming federal election on a strong climate agenda platform. Here's the thing, independents have always run for parliament, but this time around, it's different. At least, that's what Georgia Steele reckons. She's the independent candidate for Hughes in Sydney South, and she joins us now. Georgia, thanks for joining us. It's a big thing to turn your life upside down and run for to be a member of parliament. So <laughs> what made you want to drop everything and, you know, put your hand up as an independent? For me, it really started with just a level of exasperation at the inaction of our current government on so many major issues, the sense that they not only weren't governing well, but were unable to deal with the modern kind of urgent crises of our time. And the final straw for me was just eventually not being able to sit by while they did nothing in relation to action on climate change. I have two small children and I felt as though I couldn't sit back and not use my skills in the most impactful way that I could think of, and that was to run for federal parliament. The natural question is there, why don't you join the Labor Party? You know, they've got a better track record on this and they're promising more or the Greens. What was it that made you think that a major party, or in the Greens case, a minor party, wasn't suited for you? The two-party system is currently failing us in Australian Parliament. I think it's provided a level of stability in the past, but I don't think that it's working for a range of reasons to tackle these big problems that we have. You know, the Labor Party's waved through laws allowing the continued subsidies of fossil fuel mining. That's something that I, as a person who is standing up really for the main purpose of dealing with climate action, just couldn't sign up for. Federal politics is these days so disconnected from the communities of the representatives that are in parliament. Now, I'm running in the electorate of Hughes. It's an area in the south and southwest of Sydney. Very safe liberal seat has been for decades. I think the people of Hughes are looking for an alternative to the Liberal Party, but they're not comfortable giving their vote to one of the other parties. So I thought that as a local, as a you know sensible, qualified alternative, I could step up and try and be that alternative for my community. The current member for Hughes is Craig Kelly, who used to be a Liberal and now he's a member of Clive Palmer's party. So you've got a fair bit to contend with there, not just the two major parties, the Labor and the Liberal candidates, whoever they choose to run, but you've also got Craig Kelly. What has the reaction been like for you on the ground in your seat? You're right that our current member is Craig Kelly. He left the Liberal Party last year, but um, importantly, he's not an independent. He went on to become the leader of Clive Palmer's United Australia Party. 
and will be running as a candidate for Hughes with that party. The Liberal Party is in a mess, as everyone has been reading in the newspapers. They've been unable to get their act together with pre-selecting candidates in a number of key seats, Hughes included, uh, Warringah is another one. And so, as you mentioned, I am currently running against an empty chair from the Liberal Party. I've had loads of people from the community jump on as volunteers in my campaign really quickly. And now having been on the ground campaigning for about four months, I'm actually seeing a critical turnaround in broader segments of the community, disaffected Liberal voters who are coming to me saying, look, I wasn't sure what to do with my vote, but I just thought enough is enough. It's one thing having a lot of momentum, but if you do want to get elected, you have to finish Mm. first or second um, and hope that perhaps you'll get over the line with preferences. That means getting somewhere around 100,000 votes. That's people walking into the ballot box and putting a number one or two next to your name. That's very difficult without, as you say, the big red and blue signs. So how have you gone about not only campaigning on the ground and volunteers are great, but fundraising, which unfortunately is a real reality in order to get elected? It is, unfortunately. We have a system in Australia where money dominates politics. I don't think that's right. And it's something that I will work to change if I am elected. In order to be in with a crack, an independent generally needs to get around 30,000 votes at the ballot box. There's around 100,000 votes up for grabs, all up. And if I'm able to convince 30,000 people to give me their first vote, then with preferences, I would be in a position to get over that 50,000 or 50% mark. One of the great things that I've been able to do in my campaign so far is actually garner support from the community with community donations. So I've managed to raise, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars so far from the community and that's what's put me in a really good position to compete against the major parties. I'm also competing against Clive Palmer and his United Australia Party. Now, we can't compete against that kind of money, $84 million spent by Clive Palmer at the last election to win precisely zero seats in Parliament. But we don't try and compete on that basis. The basis on which we compete with that kind of money is really to get the support of the community, to be on the ground, to be a person who's present, um, listening, promising to advocate for the actual community, for people in federal parliament. That strategy is definitely working. Georgia, one of my favourite quotes, because I find it interesting, was from Gough Whitlam, and he said that anybody who's interested in improving matters should join either the Labor Party or the Liberal Party. Mm -hmm. To quote him, he said, otherwise you're just treading water or sprouting into thin air if you think you can change things other than by supporting the major parties. Now, Mm. I find this interesting because, you know, he was a Labor MP, almost encouraging people to join the Liberal Party, but I guess his point is that you have to make compromises and yes. uh, not everybody in the Liberal Party and the Labor Party agree, as we often see in public, but you eventually have to pick and stick and decide to join one side if you want to get into politics and within those sort of structures, that's where you can have out those big conversations with your colleagues and fight it out. Do you agree with that? If you are to actually get elected and come to Canberra, do you think you will have the power of somebody who perhaps is in a major party and can influence policy from within those party structures? I think that there is a great chance that if I get to Canberra, I will have even more of an impact 
than what a person sitting on the benches of the Liberal or Labor Party could have. Now, what I'm thinking of there, obviously, is a situation where a few more independents get elected and we have a strong crossbench and we find ourselves in a hung parliament situation. Both of sides of government in that scenario would have to negotiate with independents to form government. It's in that scenario that independents have enormous power to take real meaningful action very quickly in Parliament to get action on all of these critical issues that we've been campaigning on. If there is no hung Parliament situation, independents do still have a significant amount of influence in Parliament. The independents that are on the crossbench at the moment have been extremely successful in advocating for the issues that their communities want them to advocate for. We've seen Zali Stegall change the debate on climate change with her Climate Act. We've seen Dr Helen Haynes really pressure the government in relation to integrity issues and a federal ICAC in particular. There is no doubt that the independents that have sat on the crossbench so far have shaped debate in Australia in a way that, may I say, a backbencher elected in the seat of Hughes for the Liberal Party could never do. I'm trying to say federal politics has become so disconnected from the people that it's trying to represent and I'd like to bridge that gap. Do you think it's different this time around and if so, why? I do think it's different this time around because of... I have to say, uh, the incompetence of our current government. It's been nine years of a government who've really done nothing to address climate change, to address integrity issues in government, to end the corruption, to end the scandals and rorts. Instead, we've just seen that coming in time after time after time. After nine years, I think that a lot of people have had a very good think about it and thought, how can we do this differently? How can we bring some fresh ideas? And I'm really confident that if we get even two or three more independents on that crossbench, we'll be able to do exactly that. That was Georgia Steele running as an independent candidate in the upcoming federal election for the South Sydney seat of Hughes. And Annika, Georgia did seem to think that this time round, things were perhaps a little bit different from all of the other elections that independents have run in. What do you reckon? Look, she's right in one way. There's definitely a decline in people voting for the major parties. So if you go back to the end of the 1980s, 92% of people put a number one next to the Labor or Liberal candidate and only 8% of people put their votes elsewhere, which has definitely changed in the decades since then. If we look at the most recent election in 2019, about 75% of Australians voted for either the Coalition, that being the Nats and the Libs, or the Labor Party. But one in four people didn't. And when we look at polls, that's even higher. Now, polling's a bit off, as we all know. As we get closer to the election date, often those people actually side with one side or the other. But there definitely is a theme of people moving away from major parties. And there's a lot of things that play into that. I guess lower union sort of membership, people not identifying with the same parties throughout their lives the whole time, not voting the same way as their parents, There's a lot of factors playing here. So I think she's right in the fact that there's a momentum towards independence that is increasing. But whether that means we end up with more independence in Parliament, I'm not so sure about that. Well, the Coalition's certainly got its work cut out for it, at least in uh, a handful of seats with the independents appearing to be the biggest challenger to Liberal Party candidates. We'll, We'll see what happens. Few weeks, well, few months maybe till the election. Listener.